they had done programs previously to do with investing. And I've done a renovation course as well. I think education is key, but the mentoring, handholding is really important. You're listening to the She Renovates podcast. You're listening to She Renovates, the podcast for women who want to renovate to create an income and a life they love. Have you ever considered taking your renovation game to the next level by adding a subdivision? This podcast is brought to you by our upcoming micro-development intensive. Join us on Sunday, September 10, when we'll be deep diving into micro-developments, a strategy that can boost your profit and mitigate risk in your next renovation project. See real projects and be inspired by our guest speaker, Maggie Smith. Hear the ins and outs of micro-development firsthand from our students. Gain important accounting, town planning and finance knowledge. Learn the step-by-step process. If they can do it, you can do it too. Book your place at sherenovates.com.au forward slash events. See you there. Welcome back to She Renovates. And today's episode, I have an absolutely delightful guest in Maggie Smith. Now, I'm going to read out her bio. While it's quite detailed, I think there's a lots of touch points in this story that you may identify with. I think it's really important to sort of have a diet of inspiration and be seeing and aware of what other women are doing because it sort of generates this, if she can, I can. And so that's the intention of today. So Maggie is an inspirational Brisbane-based female property developer and has grown her property success from small beginnings to having her own successful development company, Walkabout Properties. Maggie first arrived in Australia as a teenager after dropping out of school and returned many years later to call Australia home. She worked for many years in high-end hospitality venues and fast-paced call centres for large corporate organisations, learning the importance of excellent customer service. Maggie then went into the IT industry as a software test manager for the finance, insurance and government organisations. But property has always been her passion and with the realisation that all developers are not evil and it doesn't have to be a male-only environment, she set off on a journey of education and being the best developer she could be. I'm sure you'll enjoy this episode as I talk to Maggie about how she has gone from her first uncertain steps to create a life in property that has far exceeded her expectations. Well, Maggie... It's really lovely to have you here and while I know you've done some great things in property, I haven't really been privy to your project so I'm looking forward to hearing about those. But before we do that, I'd love you to give me a little bit of a sort of a the, the backstory. So where did you begin and what brought you to here? Sure. Thanks, Bernadette, for the invite. So I guess just to clarify the whole going to Australia as a teenager. So 
yeah, grew up in England, wasn't very happy, wasn't a happy teenager at all, was getting bullied, just didn't have a great time. So dropped out of school, didn't really go to school for quite a lot of the time. And I was 15, they brought in the rules that parents have to send their kids to school. So my mum was getting into trouble. So she sent me to Adelaide to her sister. I think her, my, my aunt probably paid for me to come over and I spent six months there watching Home and Away and Bold and the Beautiful <laughs> and also going camping and fishing because that's how they, they live their life. They work full time. and So, yeah, so didn't finish school. And I, and I guess just to set the scene, I was quite, before I became an entrepreneur, before I came into property, I saw that as such a failure. So I was running scared. So I went back home. I was 16. I then trained to be a chef because to, to live in Australia, in my uneducated, you could be a chef or a, or a hairdresser. <laughs> didn't want to play with people's hair. So decided I would be a chef. And that didn't really work out for me, but ended up in, in the hospitality industry because I'm such a people person. So I was waitressing for many, many years and kind of always wanted to be the best of what I did. So worked my way up, then ended up, I came back to Australia at 20 and traveled for a while and, and then thought I'd better go home and get a job, a proper job in so that I could make some money. I went into call centers again so I can clean, I can help people. And so every industry I've been in has been about helping people. Worked kind of up my way and then ended up in an IT company and a very large organization and got into software testing um, and going back to the, the the story of leaving school with no qualifications didn't sit a single exam so I was in that industry but I was running scared a lot of the time but I was like I'm here to be the best I can be and that's probably been my trait throughout my journey I had a very inspirational mother who we grew up very poor and but my mom we, we and she ended up running a we lived in a pub so I lived in a pub, grew up in a, in a bar, basically, and, but kept telling me I could do whatever I wanted. Go, go and do whatever you want. Go and be whoever you want to be and would be very much go and do this and go and do that. So, and she helped me buy my first property. So I was 23. I'd just come back from traveling and she paid the deposit. She'd, it was probably her last few thousand dollars I bought the worst house ever it had to be gutted I got my brother to help me renovate it and um yeah and that doubled in value and because my mum had had a really strange life that she was she'd married an entrepreneur very early and had this fabulous wealthy lifestyle and then long story cut short he died the, the kind of money disappeared and she ended up really poor with my dad. They both kind of lived in, I don't know what the word would be. They just never, yeah, he nearly, my dad was also an entrepreneur. He he had his own business and he left his family. So they were just together and then they had two kids at later life, like they were both 40 and and, and my brother and I was a, was a result of that. But my mom and dad and, and ourselves grew up very, very poor, but my mom also gave me the go and do whatever you want. So it's kind of pushed me to get out of my comfort zone. I lived in London for a while, working in hotels. And then I came back to Australia to live. It was probably about 33, I think, when I came back here. I never gave up on my dream. Just knew I had to just keep working and one day it would happen. So, so yeah, 
came to Australia, loved that Australians love property. <laughs> I was like, yeah, but couldn't buy anything here. I owned a house in England, which I ended up selling so we could get deposit here. Yeah. Um, this was in Sydney. We followed a couple of strategies. We were doing buying vaults and I was just working and not wanting to be working and wanted to do property full time. So, but full time to me was, I'll just renovate a house now and again and create a bit of money and probably got a comfortable life, you know, because we were both in IT, my husband and I. So we, we were earning good money. We'd, we had five, five investment properties at the time. And I was reading all these property magazines, but I didn't read the development section because development was scary and not what I could do. Yeah. Not somebody like me. So uh, I so I skipped all those pages, but I would read and read and then and then I got educated. I went to a seminar. I actually thought it was a renovation seminar, and because it was a, a lady who had, who'd inspired me who'd been a nurse and she said go and I loved her energy so I was like I want what she's got so I went to this seminar and and the seminar was for three days and I was waiting the whole time to learn about renovations <laughs> and they were talking about <laughs> options sorry and it didn't happen well it kind of so uh, it kind of touched on you know how much 10% I think it's 10% of property value is your renovation and you split it into this and there was a few square meter rates but nothing a bathroom at cost 10 grand or just simple but during that time it made me realize there was a few people ladies in the audience made me realize that the people in the in the room weren't they were just normal people they there was nothing special about them they were just women like me who wanted to do more so so that's when I went right I'm going to be a devil <laughs> I'm going to give up my story of developers are evil and because they do get a bad rap. You know, my view, my view of developers, yeah, wasn't great. And it probably goes into that whole thought process of do you, rich people are evil because I grew up poor. Wow. <laughs> so, so yeah, I had that going on. So yeah, I ended up signing up for a three-day course. And so I went to the, the one day or the evening seminar and then signed up for a three-day course. It's with Young Ewan and I, yeah, became a developer, set my sights on, I'm finding a deal within three months, just got into action. So yeah, so that's kind of how it started and a little bit about me. Yeah. And so, so did you just do that course and then go out and do your first development or did you have any coaching as well? So I, so I was committed. So at the time I was working, I was, I was still in IT. I was, I was a contractor and mm. I wanted to just find a deal. So I was committed to finding a deal and I found a splitter. So it was a very simple, the most simplest strategy you could yeah. start excuse me and I bought it I bought it just before auction and cash unconditional didn't have the cash <laughs> had most of it as in bank finance and then yeah so I actually got into my first deal just after doing that course however I, I soon realized my first phone call I always tell this story was to the surveyor and he frightened the life out of me because he said, you can't always split a splitter. And they, they were his words and my stomach dropped. And I thought, I can't do this. Who do I think I am? I can't be a developer without being supported. 
So then I joined a mentorship program and got mentored for probably about five years, whereas it went, yeah. And also yeah. worked, did a lot of personal development to help me become the person I am today. Because I working on yourself and working, being supported and having a mentor is so important. So uh, yeah. yeah, I think that I think there's a little bit of a misconception that sometimes goes around that you sort of you find the thing that clicks and then you're off and running. And and I think there's no such thing as an overnight success. Uh, like behind every success story, there are years of plugging away, getting all because I do notice that like a lot of the women that we work with have done multiple programs and it's like, isn't she fixed yet? No, it's that everything you do actually builds on what you already know. So, and I think sometimes there's a bit of guilt around maybe doing a few different things, but I don't know, I wouldn't like to be judged on the number of programs I've done. So yeah, (laughs) I I completely agree with you. So I was going to say I'd done programs previously to do with investing and I'd done a renovation course as well because one of the first things I realized is I had a really badly performing property that because I was buying unrenovated houses to because I was like well they need to be on bigger block and be unrenovated but I didn't know what to do with them so I had to renovate this house myself and sell it myself in order to get out without without losing a lot of money, basically, because I was very uneducated before I bought that house. So, so yeah, I think education is key, but, yeah, the support and the, men- the mentoring, hand-holding, if you want to call it that, is, yeah. it, is really what is required. Yeah. 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 So, as the School of Renovating, we are all about renovating, but we've had to develop various strategies in order to achieve the best outcome with our renovating. So now, like we do a lot of work on joint ventures, we have quite a lot of our women doing joint ventures. And we also love micro development because it had you you are able to capture that higher that higher profit, but still using your renovating skills because it's the renovating that gets us out of bed in the morning we love that process (laughs) have you do you have have you used all those strategies like joint ventures and yeah 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 so absolutely so I I basically left my job after my second deal and the reason was because I was a contractor you know I had to take it and it was a full-on job I had to take a contract for six months so I ended up saying right I'm going to do I'm going to do six months. That's when I signed up to fully commit. I go, I'll give up my job and I'll go and find a deal and, and do a deal within that six months. If I manage it, then I will leave my job, and not go back to the IT industry. If I can continue that. Um, so, sorry. So what, what, what was the question you asked me about? Oh, so the micro development. So my yeah. very, and joint venturing. So my second deal was a one into two subdivision where the house was on the corner and it had a, a block at the side so I've done a number of de- renovations I, I can't say renovations are my like passion <laughs> I'm not seeing them at the end and I've done a couple of Queenslanders and they're amazing but mm. I'm not I'm not the best renovator in the world 
but it's a great strategy to be able yeah. to go keep the house, renovate it. They're often run down. They've often been owned a long time and they sit on big blocks. So, so that second deal was a joint venture with my old boss who had just left work. <laughs> so she was so excited. She loved property and she was like, I'll be your money partner. She actually got the mortgage for me. So we did it that. I, I did the work. I actually paid the cash. She had no cash, but she had serviceability. So, so it worked out perfectly. And I've done a few like that since. So you must have, you must be a pretty good pitcher if you could pitch to your boss <laughs> after your second project. Yes. Yeah, I mean... She could see my passion, the research. I guess having worked with me and knowing that I want to be the best, my attention to detail is there. And I, she was also a good friend over the last few years of that project. So uh, I think she just had the trust in me that it was going to work. It was a really great deal. So, so yeah. And the house wasn't too bad. It's so funny. I was like, right, it's a $10,000 renovation. And that's what we're doing. And, and of course, I had no idea. <laughs> so I had no idea, but I did Sherry Barber's cut after that. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Then, and it blew out. It blew out. I spent 15000 and then turned the whole house like around because it wasn't as I sprayed the kitchen and I just polished the floors and I made it, I painted it all myself. Yeah. So we painted the outside myself, painted the inside. So I have a few funny stories about that first renovation. But yeah, getting in, get having a joint venture partner and then saying, oh, the reno, even though I was the one paying for the actual putting money in, it was it was like exposing your your lack of knowledge to yeah. say, I'm about 10 grand reno is now, you know, percent more. Yeah. And, yeah. But no. And and so that's where like Obviously, having that level of trust with your partner is really important, is it? Because that's not that unusual. Like stuff crops up all the time in projects. And and if you're with someone who doesn't understand the process and is looking at you saying, well, why is this cost blowing out? And that can be a course of conflict and not a good outcome. So well done to you for being able to... I guess it, it foster that sense of trust in what you do. So basically you're an inspiration to many of the people listening here because I know that many have the goal to live, leave their day job one day and mm-hmm. and you have actually done that. And so, so how did you manage that transition? Because obviously you've got a job. And then you step out of that and now you're doing a project which might take, like if the development aspect to it, it could take 8, 10, 12 yeah. months. Mm-hmm. So so how do you manage like staying alive and keeping a roof over your head during that period of time and getting that job done? So this is really difficult for me. I've never been relying on anybody. You know, yes, I'm married, but not having it. It was the first time I didn't have an income. For, since I was 16 so it was really difficult to step out of that and not get paid so yes we could live on John's salary so that was really good that we could do that and I could also go back into work at any point because as I say I was a contractor and I knew I'd get a job 
if I needed to. So I guess I had that level of, I can go back to work, but mindset wise, and it's a different ball game, you know, and even now getting paid once every year or two years is, is difficult. You know, you want to, the early days, you want to run back to your day job. So having that mentor to, and, and my husband's also a coach, a property coach. So he, having that person, that mentor to actually talk to somebody that knows what you're doing and can keep you from running away <laughs> back to your day job, because that's what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, really important to be supported and just hopefully your partner, if you have a partner, your partner will support you. If you are, are on your own, just make sure you've got that buffer that some people leave their job too early, I find. They they want to do property full-time but have no momentum, whereas yes. momentum is the key to staying in deals. When I've stayed in deals longer than I should have done because if I want to be a property developer, and I couldn't even say I wanted to be a property developer for, for some time because it was like, I was just an imposter. I was just a little developer, if I said the word developer at all. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, just having that support around you and, and the deal I held on to longer, I, I realized it was because if I wasn't in a deal, I wasn't a property developer. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, so, and that was true. As I say, I've done, I've done a lot of personal development as well to understand how I am because you know, yes, your subconscious will do lots of things and you'll go, oh, I can't sell blocks of land. And I tell people today, yes, it might be more difficult than it used to be, but you can still send, sell blocks of land, you know, but sometimes it's definitely for, it was that second one. Because um, it was like, as long as I stay in a deal, I can be a developer. So as long as I was in that deal, I couldn't sell that block of land because I wouldn't be in developer until I secured the next one. Whereas at that time, I needed the headspace to get rid of the block of land in order to free me up. So it's not a, you can't go from zero deals, properties to, to running four or five projects in, yeah. in one year. You can't do that. It's mindset wise, it's you're very lucky if you can, but most of the time you are, what shall I say? You just, it's quite stressful. If you've not done something before, it, it's quite a stressful. Time. Yeah. I don't want to say it's difficult because if you do renos, you could say they're difficult, you know, but for people that like renovating, they're not. <laughs> and I think that if it's your sort of mojo, you take the stress in your stride. Like I, yeah. like I'm fully aware of the level of stress in a project, but I don't actually really consider it when I'm going no. into a project because it's just what I do. And yeah. I think that's probably the same for you. Now, I'm really excited that you're going to be one of the speakers at our Micro Development Mastery Day. And, and one of the reasons I asked you to come on is so that our Wonder Women will, and Wonder Blokes, I need to stop, <laughs> will have some idea of what an absolute rock star you are and what you, like really what you've achieved because that's, they need that inspiration to keep moving to the next level. Uh, and I know that you will talk about your projects in more detail then, but can you just give us a little bit of an idea of really what the volume of projects you've done, the types of projects you do on a regular, sort of on a regular yeah. basis, one a year, two a year, what, yeah. 
Yeah, so I guess for me, if I look back, every deal was a little bit more complicated. So a split out of subdivision, so two lots, one title, one lot. And then I moved a house because sometimes the houses don't sit in the place that you want them to be and renovated that and subdivided. So always subdivision. I did, so I went from a, a, a... one into two straight forward to a backlax, which has its more challenges. People just think it's another subdivision. It is, but it's just still a learning. So I just took step by step. My projects got better, got more and more, because I always want to learn. So or more and more involved. And then I landed a seven lot subdivision just at the start of COVID when nobody really wanted to buy anything. It was a perfect time to buy. So, so I did that. So at the time I was, before that, I was doing one project a year. So for the first probably four or five years, I was doing one project a year and learning my skill and just getting really knowledgeable and learning different strategies. So we built a mini boarding house so we could keep that. I've been learning about NDIS for the last two and a half years because that's quite a complex area to be in. And at the moment, I'm on in three large subdivisions. One is a two into five where I'll renovate two houses and create three blocks at the bottom of the garden. There's like another another street that I'll build a little bit of a street, continue the little cul-de-sac and then create three lots. So, so yeah, and the others are land subs where we can build NDIS for people with mental health because that's the problem I want to solve. Yeah. Awesome. So mm. you're tying what you're doing into your sort of what's the word social conscience yeah 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 Mm. yeah definitely and so can we just step back to momentum uh I just wanted to unpack that a bit more what feeds into momentum what is it that you do in order to build that (laughs) and so so I was thinking okay. about you. Sorry, I was thinking oh, about on. like building your network. That would be one thing. Definitely, yes. Yeah. I guess yes. Surround yourself with like-minded people, um, and yeah, just keep connected with people. You know, keep your eye on what's going on in the market. Don't get too caught up in the deal you're in, and because while you're, you think about. When you find a site, how happy, how happy you are. It's amazing. And so from an enrollment point of view, from a securing your next site, talking to agents, once you're, think about renovating. Say you can renovate a house in four to six weeks or whatever, if you're quick at them. <laughs> so yeah. when you've got your first reno, when you've got a reno, if you're excited about that reno, because it's all new and shiny, you're telling everybody you're amazing, you know, your energy is high. If you're then talking to agents and telling them what you're up to, they, they're going to want to actually sell your property, find you a property because they want to work with you. Whereas you're at the back end of it, even if, and, and even if it's gone, so even if it's, got, if it's gone well, then you still might be really excited. If you're in the middle of it, then you might just be tired. You might be tired at the end of it. So your energy levels might not be as Hi. <laughs> so it's keeping that energy level by by going, right, I've got this deal, I'm going to look for my next. I got three deals in about six weeks from 
yeah, just doing some work on my headspace, looking at, like say, looking at what do you want to achieve and being really committed to that instead of falling into the story of there's no deals, I can't find it, it's hard. If you think like that, that's your energy level, that is how you'll come across and you'll get exactly what you're saying. It's <laughs> my only tip to people is, yeah, yeah. keep the momentum when, you, when you're happy and excited and, um, yeah. yeah, I couldn't um, agree more because I think your energy level is so critical to everything you do, yeah. um, to your relationships, to your work, to your results. And I always think like I, I, like I am doing a small development at the moment, but generally they're renos, and I always think of the projects a little bit like being pregnant. When mm. you first got the project, you're over the moon. <laughs> like everything's wonderful. And then the reality sets in and like yeah. getting the little problems and by the end of it, like that last two weeks in a project seriously is like yes. yeah. And you think, oh, my God, why am I doing this? But then as soon as it's looking beautiful, it's on the market or it's sold or it's got a tenant in it, it's like, oh, it wasn't so bad, you know. Yeah. So, <laughs> now I think that's really important to remember and pace yourself so you – you do you don't sort of go down into a hole too much yes yeah yeah so tell me do you fund all your projects yourself no I don't <laughs> I don't have buckets of cash so I do get investors for some of them and as I say I, I do joint ventures as well so it just enables you to do multiple deals I also look at different ways of funding so using private funding using the commercial for the larger deals the commercial banks but also using retail banks because yeah if you've got the serviceability to do it and that's why partnering with people is is handy so that you can do multiple projects and yeah share the love with you with your investor with you with your joint venture partner um Yeah. yeah i guess it's just key to get getting those roles and responsibilities sorted out up front. Yeah. And so that's another scenario where I think it's a bit like, it is a bit like getting married because you do need to set out the ground rules really well and and spend time on the relationship because you sort of got that layer of complexity on top of your project. So have you got any tips for managing the relationships in joint ventures? I guess Find out who you connect, you know, who you connect with. You've got the same values. So, you know, the high integrity is one of my highest value. Being open and honest and telling it as it is. I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I didn't like it in the corporate world where people cover things up and and, and don't say what's actually going on, the project timelines. I worked on projects, the project timelines won't be real. You know, that's just... So when I look for a joint venture partner, I will look at personality. I will also look at, uh, yeah, how I'm going to work with them, what if I'm going to do all the work or if we're going to share it, can we work together? I think people that have done courses that are, that are also in this space is the best opportunity because they understand what it's like. 
yeah. it's not all rosy and well, it's not always rosy from a projects can go longer and take take longer and cost more money and the market can flatline and take longer to sell or don't get what you want so they need to understand that so yeah, yeah. so that's a a great way i i set up a a coffee meetup here in brisbane purely not not from an investor side of view but from a connecting with people because it's also quite a lonely i don't know if what your ladies find but it's often a lonely game to play because you work on your own and you're dealing with problems all day you are the problem solver so great that's the reason i started my business yeah because i was bored and lonely on projects on my own and yeah. so, yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we we really have been working on the joint venture process for like the last five or six years because mm-hmm. we know it's such a critical part of the, the sort of the journey because nobody comes with everything. But something that we've recently started doing is getting personality profiling into the picture so that you know that the person that you that you're well sort of suited. Now, I don't think it's a foolproof system, but I think it is. It, if it does anything, it draws people to be aware of of how they operate and whether that is is going to sort of blend well with the person that they're going into. But I have to say, I always say that if you're going to go into a joint venture, you need to be aware of the fact that at some point in time, you will not like your joint venture partner very much. It's just yeah. what happens because it's, yeah. Yeah. That people- That's what people say about doing joint ventures with family members. I don't think I would do that. <laughs> Maybe I would if I had more family. But um, you stuck with them forever. And as much as I've never had a joint venture partner, like I've never had it go badly Yes, or we've never had any falling out. So, yeah, I, I completely get what you're saying, that mm. there will be a time that you disagree. No, I will, I, I'll stop that. I will say that first deal, the, the, the lady who was my joint venture partner, so I renovated the house. As I say, I painted the outside of the house, so I was doing all the work. I put all the money in, and the profit was good, but she was a high-income earner. And she did it in her own name and she got taxed. So she was like, just wasn't it worth however much she got? She got like 30% of the profit. She must have got, I don't know, $35,000 for a piece of, for a paperwork exercise. And she wasn't happy because she paid a lot of it in tax. And I was like, you just had to sign a form and get a mortgage, you know? So. She could. There, there are things that she could have done if she chose oh, to be educated around that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So yeah. So I get. Yeah. So I'm saying I'm still friends with her, and but she she wasn't that interested, and I was yeah. like, that's so bizarre. Whereas, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because would you turn down a thirty five thousand dollar pay rise because of the tax? No. Mm. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it was very interesting. So I just want to touch on goals. So so one thing that we do is really set our sights on our big goal and we call it Paris. And it's like you're heading to Paris, but 
there's going to be a few detours along the way. And so in doing that, we create those milestones, the things that we need to do until we get to Paris. Mm -hmm. And often that can take two years. It could take five years, depending on what it is that your Paris is. Like some people want to have bought a house for each of their kids and totally replace their income. That takes a while to do. But I'm curious to know, what your Paris is, if you're willing to share, and secondly, whether you're there yet. So my Paris is so. So I've, I've actually just set up new new goals because my wife starting is actually Paris was to pay for my niece to go to med school. I lost my brother when she was four; he died in a car accident. So she's now twenty. Five. She'll be 25 in December. And so it was probably eight years ago. From 12, she said, I want to be a doctor. And I feel like, okay, she lives in the resort. She lives at the back of beyond in Ireland. She lives on the on the west coast of Ireland. And people were like, she just that just doesn't happen. And I was like, you can be, I'll be, you know, what my mother was to me. And I was like, you can be whatever you want and you can do whatever you want. So, yeah. She ended up in med school. She has qualified last June and I paid, was able to, through development and just, I was able to pay for her education or accommodation in Dublin, which is very expensive to get her through med school. So she's now a doctor. And last year, last year, last week, she was actually here with me. She's just moved to Perth and she's going to be a doctor in Australia for two years. So she'll spend one year in put. So I kind of, that was my big why and why. And she's now an inspiration to so many people uh, because she sees what she now lives. I kind of inspired her to, to live the life that she wants to. And she just, she rented a house on the beach yesterday in Perth and is living the life that she did, she created for herself, which is what my mommy store is saying to me. So and after that happened, after she graduated last June, I kind of was a bit lost, you know, well, what's my new thing? What's my new goal? And I do still work and I still love, I love property. So I don't think I'll ever give it up, but to, to just create more passive income, we do have some good passive income, but to create more passive income and to make a difference by solving the NDIS. So people are building now, you do hear of people building NDIS. It's difficult, yeah. but not many people are building for robust, which is the people with mental health issues. So that's the problem I now am looking to solve. And yeah, so it kind of create my passive because I love traveling. I love traveling in luxury and to be able to go wherever I want and do whatever I want and to plan for the future and live where somewhere near where Alana will actually do her study to go and continue her medicine career. That is really, really inspiring and congratulations. And, yeah, I love your your heart. It's, yeah, and it's lovely to talk to someone who is kicking big goals in their property journey but also using that money for good. Yes. Yeah, I can tell, like, you haven't spoken about yourself very much in terms of what you want for yourself. 
Yeah, so very servant's heart, I think that's the word. Mm. It just reminded me of a little story because we, as I said, our Paris story is highlight, highlight of the Wonder Women. And last time we got together, one said, she said, I've I've reached my Paris, but I'm backpacking and I want to go five star. And I thought <laughs> that was so gorgeous. So, yeah. Yeah, yes. right. My hashtag is holidays and houses. That's probably my interest in that <laughs> wow. because I love travel and and I love property. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you you do. You well, just need this. And and I think on that note is don't worry about if it's a selfish goal. You know, my mine is now kind of I want to just travel in luxury. And yes, I'm going to be doing good because of because right. of that. But yeah. That's really what I want now at this time in my life. <laughs> so. Well, listen, you're you're very inspiring, Maggie, and <laughs> and I want to thank you for your generosity in sharing your story. And we're really delighted to have you at our Micro Development Mastery Day, which is going to be on the tenth of September. So, if anyone that's listening, you and you would like to know more about it, you can f- find the details on www.sherenovates.com forward slash events. And so that Maggie will be speaking and some other renovators who are also embarking on this strategy or are into this strategy. We'll also have accounting, town planning, financing, micro development talks. So lots to learn there. So go to the website to learn more. And I really look forward to hearing more about your projects on the day, Maggie. So thank you for your time today. Thank you so much. Thanks for the invite. It's great to, I guess, yeah, love inspiring people because we can all do, you know, way more than we think we can when we get out out the way of ourselves. (laughs) Absolutely. So thank you. This is the She Renovates podcast. To discover how to harness the power of renovating, check out theschoolofrenovating.com.